Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Indie and Doctor Podcast. It is the first time I've ever said that. Indie's not here today, but I am joined. I'm joined by my younger sister, also called Jazz. So Jazz is a very successful solicitor, now practicing lecturer, and is the founder of Yamintum, which is a premium vegan sweets company. So, also Jazz, this is going to get confusing, guys. So I'm Dr. Jazz. She's other Jazz. She'll tell you the story how we're both Jazz. How are you doing? Good, thank you, brother slash Dr. Jazz. Yes, uh, very nice to be on this show. I enjoy listening to it every week. Um, I think we should clear the story of names first and foremost because I think that's <laughs> it's imperative. So I grew up. It's, in, it's imperative, is it? We can, imperative. We can see the lawyer, lawyer coming out now. Yeah. I, I grew up being called jazz my whole life through school, through secondary school, yeah. university. Uh, and then uh, my brother, Beer, as I call him, has always been known as Karan, which I still find. Do you want to translate for our non Punjabi oh, yeah. what, is, what does Beer mean? So, Beer, which I think that the, the actual Punjabi word is Veer, uh, means brother in Punjabi. So, I don't actually call uh, Beer by his name. And I really remember when he was little and I was little, and his school friends used to call the house phone. Uh, and they'd say, oh, can we speak to Mabby, please? Because nobody, for some reason, calls, you know, you don't call uh, boys by their first name. And I'd mm. always shout down the phone, beer, beer. <laughs> and then you'd lecture me after, like, don't call me that. Um, yeah. Is that what I'd say? Yeah, okay. That's what you'd say. You were embarrassed. But anyway, mm. back to our names. And suddenly, uh, beer reaches university and uh, hospitals. And all of a sudden, all of the fellow doctors start calling him jazz, jazz, jazz. And yeah. the crucial moment, the you know, the, the moment that everything changed was when he changed his name on Facebook. Uh, and now official became official. Official. Yeah. We now are two jazz Mavis on Facebook. And it gets very confusing with people tagging us into things uh, because they think we are one another. So that's the story. So I was the original jazz and you are the fake jazz. Yeah. So just to make you, I mean, there's a very simple solution, uh, which the listeners probably have alluded to here, is that you can just change your name you know I and mean, it'd be very easy for you to change your name um you are married now so you have a different surname which you choose not to take so uh you can be just thin i mean i can be just mavi so uh, that sells that doesn't it i think we should move on now right okay <laughs> so we've just spent a few days haven't we in wales yes we were yeah. in langlassie <laughs> and brecon in wales mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic weekend. South Wales, we haven't explored before. We've mm-hmm. been to North Wales a lot. We've been uh, to Londudno. We've done Cardiff. Um, mm-hmm. We've not done South Wales. And it is actually quite different, I think. I don't know if you agree, but it felt different. It was more touristy in a good way. Uh, people were very mm-hmm. welcoming. Um, and the scenery was just breathtaking. Yeah, so we were there for Dad's uh, 60th birthday, uh, and it was good to get away for a few days. I think it was nice to see people as well. So yeah. one of the highlights for me is we were driving. Um, what were we driving on the driving on the way back, or sorry, on the way to the activity center, and we went through uh, a point which is where I think a lot of where the trackers start, which is at the base of the highest peak. And it was, yeah, and it was just yeah, that was it. That was the name. Welsh isn't bad, is it? And there were a lot of people, and it was just nice to see, you know, out and about. Uh, had loads and loads of ice cream today. Interesting. What did we have today? We had shepherd's. Oh, the name is called shepherd's ice cream. Shepherd's sheep's milk ice cream, which apparently right. 
a Welsh delicacy. So they, they mm. use sheep's milk. And you can taste, there is a bit of a difference. There is a uh, difference. Flavor. It, mm. it almost tastes like, it's nice, but it reminds me of, um, <clears throat> of goat's milk. Yeah, we know, we know, I know you don't like you know, goat's milk. I don't like. But uh, yeah, guys, recommend it definitely. Um, so pop down. Uh, we were in the town of Hay on Wye. Now, usually there would be a festival at this time. It's a literary festival. Um, and obviously that was virtual this year because of COVID, but the town was still in full swing. Uh, decorations and things were up. The church, the, sorry, not the church, the castle was being refurbished. We had some nice snacks, had a good walk around. Jazz bought, bought loads of stuff she's never going to use because that's what Jazz does. We'll get onto that in your, yeah, your stationary habits. Definitely, if you yeah, if you like books, Hey on Why has, I think mm. it's, it's known as the town of books. Um, town of it's books, got yeah. uh, so many uh, bookstores, antique shops as well and the books mm. that you buy they're very very reasonable a lot of them are secondhand but you can find <laughs> classics in there so um we saw lots of charles dickens we saw lots of jane austen uh, mom picked mm. up um some agatha christie's as well so if you like books definitely go and even if you don't like books it's nice to have a stroll there the town was so nice mm. it's good yeah. it was nice nice to get it was out good, isn't it? and i think you know okay the world seems like it's going to be opening up and we can see that there are there are countries on the green list but I don't know, I don't know about you, but all these news articles I keep reading, flights being cancelled, um, EasyJet, Ryanair, mm -hmm. turning people away. Then I see pictures of the actual the airports themselves, mm -hmm. massively flooded. And it's just like, you know, I think this year, staycations are going to be the way forward. Yeah. And with this weather, you know, we've had some awesome weather. I think it was the hottest day in the year yeah, on yes. Monday. Yeah, bank holiday Monday. And we were outdoors quad biking, Clay pigeon shooting, axe throwing. We had, all, we had an awesome, awesome day. I think there's a lot to see in the UK, but the problem is when you live in a country, you don't uh, always appreciate what you have mm. around you. And I think this pandemic has forced us to look around where we can actually legally go and think, okay, how can we really explore this area and take away what mm. we want from it? And I think that's what we did this weekend. We were able to feel like we were away. The scenery was different. The people were different. Most of the time, the language was different. I heard, I was really pleased to hear um, one of the cafes we stopped at absolutely in the middle of nowhere. We had really lovely sandwiches there. I went up to pay and in the kitchen, I could hear people speaking Welsh. And I've been to Wales before, but I've never heard people converse in Welsh. I, I didn't think it was mm -hmm. so prominent, but that was really wonderful. So I really did feel like we were on uh, an actual holiday. And it, holiday. It, yeah, and it's so near. Wales is not far from us. Um, there's so mm. much to explore, but we, we take it for granted. But hopefully, like you said, I think the rest of this year, I don't really want to particularly get on a plane and be enclosed. Mm. Doesn't matter if you're sitting in, you know, at the front of the plane or the end, the, the air is the same. And I don't feel comfortable uh, particularly uh, doing that. Um, and that being said, I'm not sure with this Indian variant, which I now believe is renamed the Delta variant, because what um, mm. the World mm. Health Organization has said is they don't want to have names. Attribute to one. Yeah, in the same way we can't call it the Chinese virus, as well, I said by yeah. Yeah. Donald so, Trump. <laughs> we won't call it the Indian variant. The Delta variant uh, apparently is now, we're going through the start of a third wave, which I don't know, you're the doctor. What do you see in hospital? Is that a true reflection? Has hospitalizations increased? What do you think? I think it's too early to tell at the moment. The infection rate, yes, is on the rise, and we're seeing that. Whether that, that then translates into increased hospitalization, because it is something to see, but the you know the key bit in the middle there is vaccination. You know, if the vaccination program, as we've seen it being rolled out, 
uh, is effective based on Profwiti's numbers, about 85% reduction in need for or recall hospitalization, then maybe we don't see the, you know, the same as we saw before. Yes, infection rate may, may be high, but if it's not translating into need for hospital beds and specifically ITU ventilation, ventilators and critical care, then I don't know, too early to tell, but I'm back at work tomorrow. So <laughs> I will be asking uh, some of the infectious disease consultants what they, their take is going forward. Um, but yeah, COVID aside, it was nice that um, where we were, although people were respecting the law, you know, there's social distancing where appropriate, uh, people wearing masks and stuff, people still trying to get back into normality. Uh, and that was good. You know, was, like I said, it was just, I can't, I can't further say how nice it was just to see people. Yes. And just to have these little conversations. I, I remember recently reading, not reading, watching a TED talk. It was a small talk about what actually contributes to happiness and happiness, sorry, not happiness, long life, healthy, long life. And the things we think, um, yeah, exercise, not eating red meat, not smoking, were in the list, but they weren't the, like the top ones, like seven, eight, nine. And But you think, oh, those are the most important things. And yeah. one and two, I can't remember the exact order, but one of those was the number of conversations you have in a day. And not, not just meaningful conversations, not people you, you know, just yeah. like speaking to the postman, speaking to somebody uh, in the shops, small conversations. Mm -hmm had a direct proportionality with living a sort of long fulfilled life. So just having that, you know, the, the conversations we had with various people. And then we, we were really surprised that actually a lot of these people knew where we were from, this small town near oh, Birmingham. Gosh. Yes, because if, if you ask somebody um, in the UK, normally Warsaw is a very small town of no significance. Of course, to us, it's, well, to me, it's the best town in the world, but it's usually of no oh, significance. Is it? It is, yes, absolutely. You switched allegiance here, have you? Yeah, no, I've always maintained that. Thank you very much. Anyway, so <laughs> we had we had two days where we consistently bumped into people <clears throat> who were aware of Warsaw. And um, one of the restaurants we went to, the owner uh, actually lived in Warsaw, which was really mm, impressive. Mm. He sent us out some lovely dishes uh, on the house as a <laughs> nice little recognition of that fact. And the next day when we were at the activity center, um, the person again in, you know, who owned the farm, about 300 acres of farmland, absolutely impressive. He had um, run courses in an area of Warsaw and it just, it just shows you actually Warsaw has, has some significance. People always think it's a tiny little town, but actually clearly it makes well, it. Yeah. I thought so. I don't know about you, but so whenever I tell people I live in Warsaw, if they're not from the area, they always hear mm. Warsaw, Poland. Poland, yeah. No, especially in university, I came across a lot of people. Oh, where are you from? Uh, Warsaw. Oh, you're Polish. And then they're really confused because they're looking at you because you're Indian and they're thinking, Indian person, Poland. How did that? So then then they look at you and they're like, oh, maybe she could be Polish. She, I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Really? Yeah, um, maybe if you're drunk, <laughs> but otherwise, no. It's uh, it's one of those things. Warsaw and Warsaw always get confused. But yeah, it was nice. Yeah. I tend to love Birmingham. I just then if they say which part of Birmingham, then I say, oh, have you heard of Warsaw? Right. If yeah. not, then I, I stay at that high level chunk up level. Birmingham seems to be the. Yeah. Um, people See, outside the UK just think we're either from London or Birmingham. That's like the, you're only yeah. in two places. Well, that's if you remember. That's what the, the owner of the restaurant said. Where are you from? Birmingham or London? Uh, straight away, there was nothing yeah, else. No other no, city no. significance. Not Manchester, Leeds, or anything. It was but just also an, our accent, you know. So maybe he's, had we had a strong accent from up north, he might be like, "Oh, okay, are yeah, you from up north?" Or something. Yeah. 
Well, I think we're always told that we have a an odd accent. We've got a twang, as Shindi, my sister-in-law, uh, doctor's wife, tells us. We have yeah. a, a twang of it, but it's not necessarily that strong. We don't have what's called the yam-yam uh, accent, which I, I find very endearing, though, to listen to, although I don't understand all official, of it. That's the official terminology there, guys. Jazz, although there are certain words, yeah, when we used to go to a certain gym called David Lloyd, uh, you can often hear jazz referring to it as David Lloyd. So, uh, oh yes, oh yes. I do now. not. You make that up because you're jealous of the way I sound. Because people always compliment me. You don't like it. That's that. Okay. This is going to turn in the podcast. Sibling, sibling rivalry. Sibling yeah. rivalry. No, we don't yeah. have rivalry. We have uh, support. Healthy competition. Would you want to call healthy? Com- yeah, he- healthy competition. But there's a recognition that we are on parallel paths. There is no competition. Your success is my success, and my success is your success. At the end of the day, very, hum- very, hum- very humble, very humble. Of course, it's true. Okay. So, yeah. Jess, what do you want to talk about? Well, I listen to podcasts uh, regularly. Uh, nearly mm. every day, I listen to a, I listen to true crime podcasts. I know that's not your genre. Give give, uh, give people a sense of what that is, because I know you know what that means. I love time. Uh, yes. Right, just uh, just just tell them, give people an insight of the kind of stuff you listen to. So, true crime uh, is quite literally, about uh, true crime. So crime that's taken place um, over time. And true crime podcasts are about, they can be about anything. So for example, the ones I listen to, each episode is on a case. So for example, um, it could be... Um, very famous, famous, famous one, like, yeah. Like, you know, the Yorkshire Ripper, what about his right. victims? Or other cases uh, to do with uh, massacres, so uh, school massacres that have taken place in America. There's lots of things. Or they <clears throat> people like Jeffrey Epstein, so, you know, how did mm-hmm. his, his paedophilic ring his get web. broken? Um, so there's conspiracies as well, but there's also crimes that have happened. So the episode basically focuses on what actually happened, but then it explores why it happened. So it's not just here are the case facts, this person then went to prison. It actually, a lot of them, they do focus on the psychology, trying to get mm. to the bottom of um, why is it that people commit crime? Morality. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, what happened in their childhood um, or are they, mm. you know, do they tick the boxes? Um, Mad or bad. Or yeah are they psychopaths and you know you hear a lot of these um, phrases thrown around but actually they're not what we say and a really uh, interesting example that i think i've discussed with you before is psychopaths many so, many 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 times many Your many favorite times. dinner time conversation this absolutely is. so you know what is a psychopath we think oh my god that person's crazy they're a psychopath but no actually so let's give it let, let's give it some context yeah so psychopath no. you think hannibal right so everyone's gonna think yeah. some crazy we, man or yeah, I mean, they can see crazy is a very subjective term. What is normal? Mm. What is crazy? That's a whole debate in itself. But mm. there are, you know, there's there's articles and journals and research about um, people who are psychopaths tend to be born with a certain tendency, tendency. Um, mm. and it's actually people who the broadest definition I can think of is people who are devoid of emotion. So they might actually try and replicate emotion. They might look like they have emotions, but actually there is no emotion in there. And that's mm. not usually as a result of their environment. It's not um, people who, you know, sociopaths are, tend to be a result of their environment. And as a result of what happened in the childhood, they have become a certain way. Um, right. Psychopaths tend to be you could say born like that um they just don't have that missing and there's certain things that can indicate psychopathy uh in childhood such as 
um, hurting animals or um, arson, a tendency to want to do those things. Um, the magic. So that's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Because I guess my kind of opinion would always err on the side of saying that you know somebody can be born evil because that's a statement we're kind yeah. of making, right? So even someone like Hitler, you know, how much of it is he was inherently evil, and how much is that he became. Um, he came from his environment, you know, he was yeah. the outcome of the things he was around. I guess my aim would always kind of be that, but maybe that's how I want to get the benefit of that too. Well, how can anybody be born evil? So I'm interested to explore this. How, how do we make a case for people can be born evil? What's the science well, the behind that? The thing is, the thing is, born evil maybe doesn't sound right, but it's certain people have genetic makeup in the same way that, you know, obviously science is not my thing, but you can be mm. born with a certain chemical makeup. It's the same mm. principle. So, of course, environment does make an impact. It does. Mm. But there have been cases of people who have brought up in very loving homes, you know, very what we would class as normal um, childhoods mm. that very loving parents, and they would still have this devoid of emotion setting. And there are some like I listened to a podcast last week, actually, about a psychopath who is managing his psychopathy. And it's really, really interesting because he has- Let's let's pause that. You've got a psychopath- Yeah, who recognizes- What you're saying is he has insight. He has insight into his psychopathy. He understands that he's devoid. Okay, and how is he uh, managing it? managing it. Well, there was lots of things- Define managing, yeah. Like managing in the sense that, for example- classic characteristics of a psychopath you know they can be very manipulative very charming very wanting to always kind of get their way but are willing to do devious things to get it not necessarily what we would class as but certain things and he keeps himself away from certain types of people certain types of company and right. i'll send you the link to the podcast you must listen to it because what you're hearing that usually we we listen to things about people but this was actually somebody's own insight into psychopathy because because not right. so, psychopathy. So he's telling his own story then yeah yeah exactly right but he's quite open about well this is how I feel. these are my urges or whatever yeah exactly and he's he's somebody who and he's managing it he's been um sort of medically diagnosed as he is he i presume he's not in prison then so he's he lives yeah he's not in prison um right. he's a psychiatrist and a psychologist and right. He, that's how he maintains his i don't think therapy is the right word um his yeah, can use therapy to make sense of the condition um and mm. it's interesting because that's the flip side because we always tend to hear about people after they've committed something but often you'll actually find psychopaths are not the people who commit things like um what uh, we think. or yeah yes but i it's just it shows you the power of language how we can associate a word with something, but actually it's got nothing to do with it. Synonymous, yeah, we, we make these connotations yeah, uh, all the time. So then if we come on to, yeah, let's talk about you know, the Yorkshire Ripper, Jack Ripper, people like this, and then you've got your secondary term here now, so sociopath, which I think of the two is a lesser term. Yeah. If like if I, as a random person on the street, you said, or not, maybe not defined, but tell me or describe what a psychopath is. I think everybody has like a 50 names they can yeah. bat off. And then you say, okay, do you know what a sociopath is? Yeah. And it's like, oh, what's that? So well, us, you know, from, what, what's, what's a sociopath? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, isn't that the same thing? Or I've yeah. never heard of that. So what's a sociopath? So um, I want to give a disclaimer here because I've looked more into psychopaths than I have sociopaths. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I, I, my understanding is that um, sociopaths tend to act in a certain way as a res- direct result of their environment. So where, for example, if they have been... Um, 
abused or they have yeah. been neglected or hurt in a way yeah then mm. then they act out as a result of what they have uh, experienced so they're a product of the environment products of their environment so, yeah. so the causality for both is different yeah um, and you tend to see more people or criminals classified as sociopaths than you do psychopaths it's it's that's the kind of trend I've noticed through the pod episodes I've listened to. Very rarely, you know, are people classified properly as psychopaths because it's not that common to be Pure a psychopath. Evil. And if there's a psychopath <laughs> listening, please come and <laughs> share your view. Enlighten us. So this is so this is what I mean. So true crime is very interesting. It has a lot of uh, angles to it. It's interesting to me personally as well because I feel if I understand crime around me, not just, and crime doesn't just mean burglary or murder or attempted murder. All Common sorts crimes, of things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's big things. It's, it's white collar crime. It's understanding what governments have done. It's also understanding people who are high up so, in society have done. Jeffrey Epstein. The fraud. Example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Extortion. It's all these so things. So much. Yeah. It all comes under crime. Crime is obviously a very large umbrella. And behavioral patterns of very crime. interesting. Epstein is a good example. Yeah, he's really interesting. A lot of people. And if anyone is is interested and is listening to this and who has an interest in um, behavioral patterns, there's a podcast called Real Crime Profile that I listen to, and it's a panel of three people. Um, the first is an, a retired FBI uh, officer, and he actually worked in behavioral analytics and actually on mm. the field. And then there's a former Scotland Yard. Uh, detective um, who obviously she gives her opinion as well and she works with mm. domestic violence victims and then there's a third lady who works in casting so criminal tv show castings so it's important <laughs> as well i like to listen to everyday people's opinions that's something i do right. but also listen to specialists Experts. who have mm. knowledge because it's not something that anybody can just give an opinion on we well, can give an opinion on it but a, a, a research the depth of which yeah you value to- that per- perception yeah, because I think the point of a podcast, in my eyes, is also to learn something. I want to take something away from the podcast. I don't know. Yeah, that's... I think, well, we are broadly speaking, I think if you look at any form of content, it's either going to fall into education, entertainment, yeah. or emotional content. Mm. Now, if you have all three, so if you can have a laugh, you might learn something. Mm. And the other third one I said, then that's great. And we try and do it on our podcast as well. So we want to, you know, just um, pepper some knowledge, but not make it a sort of lecture series. So I guess we wouldn't fall into that kind of purest uh, form of podcast, but uh, we like to have a bit of fun sprinkled in. Well, we never had this before. You can so how how uh, boys go to the toilet uh, in your- Very important. I mean, there are, there are lots yeah. of bits we, we didn't mention, like I'll give you another one. So this is an unwritten boy rule. When a boy is in a toilet, in public toilet, in a urinal, we'll always aim for the middle of the hole. It's like a target. It's like a hundred points if you get in the middle. As we don't give it points, yeah. just on the sides. Like well, out, obviously- you go the sides? No, no, when I say the side, I mean, not outside the urinal, still in there, but there's the whole thing. Well, here's another one. Say if, you know, there's some tissue in the pan, it's your goal to get the tissue down using, you know, yeah. So we, we can talk many, many things. You know, it really yeah. amazes me that boys use so many brain cells whilst in the bathroom, but yeah. general life, where where has that sense and common, common sense gone? I don't know. Okay. Well, we, we could debate that a lot, I, mean, many, I don't uh, think we'll start on the feminism. No, we don't need to. I just, you know, Albert Einstein, just want to leave that there. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. I think I'll just like to add one point here uh, that 
my general point in life usually, and this is what we always have debates about, so to give you some mm. context, but only one sentence and then we shall move on, is that I always say that women have a wider range of emotions and as a result are more emotionally intelligent than men. Men and women Agreed. are people, Agreed. but I think women have a larger scope for dealing with certain situations, well, a lot of situations, because they've got that wider range. I don't think men have it. I think they're very black and white most of the time. Mm. Um, and that's that. And I think that I think, gives- the, I think the scale is wider, which means not only, so there's one side to the, the capability to deal with chaos, right? So that's one thing you're saying, but I think it's also the variety of emotions that a woman can feel where, you know, to, the, to a man sometimes it's like, well, why are you feeling like that? Whereas, I don't know, let, let's give an arbitrary numbers. A man might have 10 emotions, but you guys have 50. Or like colors, you know, like colors are a perfect example. You'll ask a man what color is this and say it's pink, and then you'll say, no, it's cerise, or it's hot pink, or it's baby pink. Like, yeah, da, 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 da. And your emotions, I think, have these subset of emotions or nested emotions, whereas they're just like, look, are you happy or are you sad? Like, just keep it simple, man. But uh, I don't see that as a flaw. I, I think that allows, allows me to look through certain situations a little bit more... Uh, because one of your things, Jazz, is that you um, you let things ruminate, don't you? You think and think and think about things until there's no more thinking to be done. But before that point, you'll then share it with me because you need to, you know, you need to vent it off. Um, analyzing, speaking, and analyzing. sharing your thoughts is a very mm. good thing. I think part Absolutely. of the reason we see so much. Um, <clears throat> I mean, issues with mental health is, uh, again, not an expert, but people don't have the ability or the chance to voice their uh, concerns and share mm. how they're feeling, especially, I mean, I was thinking about this during the pandemic. We are lucky, and I think a lot of Indian families or maybe just ethnic minority families who live together mm. are so lucky that in this pandemic we have had each other. Yes, certain times you want to pull each other's hair out because that's all you have, um, mm. but at least we are not stuck living alone in a city or otherwise um, and having to just deal with ourselves because that's so difficult. How do you analyze and how do you self-reflect all the time? It's so hard. You need feedback, isn't it? This, is, this all comes back to sort of touch points uh, and obviously our behavior will change based on the people around. Now, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but in a good way, at least it allows you to yeah check yourself. You know, that, that's what we're saying. Whereas yeah. some people like, right, in the pandemic have lived in what could be like you know solitary confinement, like in a prison. Whereas you, you have to imagine this. Imagine this. Like I've got elderly patients that come in, right? And there's part of when we speak to them about when they first come in and find out why they're here. It's the social setup. So who do you live with? Oh, I live alone. Okay, and. Um, so, you know, then we ask them, how do you do things like shopping, food, cooking, and they have some carers, even on, you know, the best package. When I say package, I mean, NHS funded package, it might be four calls a day. That means four people coming. But there's periods of time they actually come for maybe about 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And then throw in that a lot of these people, so in the absence of having some company and the absence of being fit enough to leave the house or being told to shield, mm-hmm. that they watch the news, right? So I get a lot of people who just constantly on this kind of um, high alert, mental state where it's like oh my god COVID's going to get me so you're watching this stuff all day you think it's going to hurt you you're inside you have no one to speak to and you're right so this all you're in the present of your mind essentially and your thoughts just escalate and escalate and escalate it's consuming. Uh, it, it's yeah it, 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 it is all consuming yeah it is and it's it's just not healthy so <clears throat> i mean a similar example in terms of context uh, i was mm. thinking about uh people who live 
classic example in London or cities like that, where, you know, they're room sharing or they have, you know, a studio apartment. And most of the time people don't have gardens, obviously, if you have an apartment, if you're lucky, maybe mm. shared communal garden. But even then, I know in London, some communal gardens were shut, uh, obviously, because of the risk of COVID. And that is so horrible. Like, I remember uh, watching the news last year when it was hitting Italy really bad and you saw these kind of uh, towers. Of, yeah. High rise towers and people just kind of leaning outside their balconies about this big, you know, like I don't even know the square foot, but very small. And that's all the fresh air they have. That that mm. is that is scary to think you can be a prisoner in your own home. You know, that's scary. Uh, at first, yeah. the whole pandemic was not nice. Yeah, no. Like, but it was the perception was, oh, I can work from home. Yes. Oh, I'm at home. I'm at home. I'm at home. And then that's it just it. quickly became it this was, is not sustainable. Yeah. It's not sustainable. It's very mm. odd. You go into, you know, it was one person in a supermarket at times. It was, uh, you know, you can't go to the cinema. You can't, you can't have people sit in your car. When restaurants were closed, when takeaways were closed, McDonald's was closed. I mean, that was like, that was, peak. that was the peak. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's Who would have thought mm. the day would come? And it was just, it was something that you couldn't have predicted. And I, I, I did find it very interesting at the start because it was a, it was a crisis. It was chaos. It was, you know, we didn't know what was going mm. on. You had to be alert and you had to think, how are we going to get through this? But then slowly, slowly, like you were describing with watching the news, I hated watching the news around Christmas, January, when that third lockdown came. I was mm. so depressing thinking, you know, when is this going to end? It was great. That, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Summer lockdown is one thing. Winter lockdown is a completely different ballgame. Yeah. When there is no end in sight and you have nothing to look forward to. Yeah, that's difficult, which is why, you know, reducing your time frames and not, you've got to focus on what's in front of you, right? You've got to focus on what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found really interesting, what you said there is, yeah, there was absolute chaos and panic. And we had uh, Dominic Cummings the other day when he was being uh, sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, in- deposition, like deposed, what you call yeah. it, maybe. And, uh, you know, he's, I think there's one bit where he said he walked into a room and some higher, you know, higher exec, uh, number 10, had asked, right, so, you know, I've been told that you have plans for this type of thing, contingency plans, or this, well, these types of emergency mass pandemic scenarios. Uh, and then he's like, no, we have nothing. And, you know, credit to Dominic Cummings, just sort of talking frankly and basically saying, you know, this isn't good enough. The public's assumption is that we know what we're doing, but this stuff all happens behind closed doors, policy making, all this stuff. Uh, and to think that there was nothing, you know, that we were just sort of uh, reacting uh, and using our skills of versatility to deal with what's happening rather than being like, no, no, we have this thing in place is uh, quite scary. Um, really scary. Because yeah. you, you, you sit comfortably in the assurance that your government takes care of you. That's just, you, you know, we're almost... Yeah, democracy. In their arms. Yeah. It's, that's, that, that's the whole principle and the whole point. But when you see that they don't know what's going on, which means that we don't know what's going on. It's very concerning. But as much but as it didn't, have... it didn't filter down, did it? I mean, imagine the same scenario, simpler one is being on a plane, right? Mm-hmm. And something's happening on the plane. If, if the captain lost his shit, right? And we're like the cabin crew, even if there's a problem, the captain has turned on the safety sign. Please take your seats. You know, it's really calm. But if they're like, look, guys, the plane's about to go down, yeah. right? It's a whole different thing. We do kind of lose confidence. But again, we're given this kind of uh, you know false reassurance. We've got briefings every day. 
not the level obviously Donald Trump used to come out with a 20 man team. Remember that when we first started? Oh we, my gosh. There, there, there was a point where we used to rely on their briefings because they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll rely on it, but we used to enjoy the spectacle of, you know, the Donald yeah. coming out with his 20 man team and he had his Murphy. generals. And, and they this person, this person. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it's almost, yeah, spectacle is the right word. It does feel like it's when you watch American uh, news because it's also theatrical. And like you said, with Donald Trump, he was the biggest uh, character. And we had Dr. Fauci coming out, you know, the little white jacket on. And we had army generals coming and then like the Navy generals. And they'd all wear these fancy outfits. And you'd think, what, what is the need to do this and to have- Branding. Them? Branding is the key branding. thing here, right? They so branding to, to build confidence. And they want to look in control. And you know what they did? Because at that point in the UK, there was no number 10 briefings. We had nothing, we had zilch. And I felt we almost used to watch the uh, American briefings to know what was happening with this pandemic. And that's, exactly. and that's when there was complaints, um, obviously with our government, that why are you not sharing what's going on? With leadership, we need transparency yeah, in our leadership. Yeah, yeah. He because the, to control, well, not, not control, control is probably the wrong word, but to sell our nerves, you know, that anxiety of a nation. Yes. Um, now I have a different perspective, I'm a doctor, I'm seeing it, but to an average person, you know, who's not medically, medically uh, you know, read up, because I had a lot of people thinking they were just going to die, you know, that if they were, even if they were in the house, behind the door, didn't go out, and that COVID was just going to come in through their door and kill mm. them. That's literally what people were thinking. Mm. Um, you, need, you need some assurance, right? There is a game plan, a strategy. That's all we need to hear. And, okay, it started coming out, and there are bits which we look back at now. Uh, I think when Boris first came out and he had that very mixed, message hundreds of videos and memes have been created about mm. work at home but try and not leave the house no 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 go to work if need necessary but try and stay at home but yeah. go inside but stay outside you know really really mixed uh, and don't be tempted uh, to go to your friend's house and like it just it was so messy and then but i think the height yeah. me was i'm quite sure this happened i don't think i'm imagining it but the, even the queen gave a message of you know reassurance and this you know, never Happens. This never happens. <laughs> Only at serious points. You know, it happened in World War II, it happened in World War One. obviously her dad. But, you know, it happens. The monarchy comes out at times of crisis and they came out. And to that the people, shows yeah. you that, you know, that we the were level. at the of um, a real mess and mm. people were feeling anxious. I remember there was, you know, newspaper articles, sometimes the Daily Mail or the Daily Fail. Inflammatory, um, but, you know, yeah. It would be, there's going to be social unrest. There's going to, you know, food was running out. Do you remember there was that whole period where uh, food ran out? The, you know, the shelves were empty. People were taking toilet, toilet roll, roll months yeah. and months and months. You know, it just, that happened because it was not handled. If it was handled, I don't think it would have happened as bad. But then again, saying that, and I always say this at the end of my uh, opinion giving on COVID, how do you know what to do? If I was in his yep. position. In hindsight. Yeah, we think is always always easier. And I and look again from a doctor's perspective, there are points where he was coming out, he was saying his bit, and and you had very very inflammatory journalists just asking the same question, just paraphrasing the model thing. I like you as a journalist. Well, no, she does. She does that. She has she has some good tough questions, which I think are good. But yes. I think some sometimes it doesn't serve the purpose. Of, you know, what's the intention here? Where something has happened, and you're just looking, you know, you're just trying to backtrack and pick up on faults rather mm -hmm. than focusing on okay. To acknowledge this, you've been transparent about this wasn't right. Now what do we do is a more useful question if I'm listening. Exactly. And also, yeah. I always used to feel journalists would, not all of them, some of them, if things were being tightened up, but when are we mm. going to have our freedoms? When are we going to have right. our liberty? This is a democratic country. As soon yeah. as things start, start opening up, how could you... Early. School? It's too oh early. Gosh, you're what going to kill the nation. Yeah. And it just, you know, you can't please 
anyone. But as we saw in the uh, interview that we watched together, actually, uh, the Meghan and Harry, Prince Harry interview, you know, the media is a very, very powerful entity. There's a quote, isn't there? Whoever controls the media controls the masses. And it's so true. They they're almost puppeteers. You know, they control everything. And the narrative, the narrative is. Yeah. And here's the big difference. Right. This is how great the UK is. Let's take Donald Trump again. If Donald doesn't want to take any more questions, there'll be no more questions. Thank you. Goodbye. So, right. Boris, every question from the whoever the papers are, whoever the public are, whoever's been lined up and then to everybody. Right. He never shuts it down. Um, So, you know, fair play. There are countries where they don't obviously have that kind of uh, the press doesn't have that reign. Yeah. Uh, and they can be bought up and shut down, but um, yeah, not either. This is the problem. There's no, there is no utopia. There's, there's always going to be these issues. Um, and yeah, there is. I mean, as at a at a pure sense, I think uh, I don't know what we watched a lot of films lockdown, but we watched something recently, Jazz um, Cobra. No, it was about journalists. Journalists were in the were in the film, and they were trying to uncover something. And remember, they were the only right newspaper and it came out later that they were the only newspaper. Oh, yes. Um, the, it's about oh, Iranian, the WMDs, right? Yes. Uh, that was it. And they had a spawn that Saddam's regime didn't have any WMDs. And later, it, they, uh, they had to apologize. I think one of the bigger New York syndicates, Times the New York Times, had come out and say yes. yes. Because right? they were peddling whatever they were being told by the politicians at the time. That's what the film shows you. And it shows you from a very purist sense, yes. you know, the foundations of journalism yes. are the truth, expose the truth. truth. Exactly. Right? Which again, if you're a normal person, that's what you want. You want objective truth, not but the problem is the ability to critically uh critically appraise what you're listening and hearing, mm-hmm. unfortunately, is not a skill set which is taught readily, uh, mm-hmm. which means people will adopt the narrative which makes the most sense to them and normally is the one that the masses are following, and then that becomes and, your viewpoint. And- and the one that comes from authority. If the government is telling, we think it too. It's like yeah. trusting the police. Policeman, yeah, yeah. you no matter what time of the day, you're never going to think anything bad. You're going to think, oh, it's a policeman. It's a person of Unless you had a prior experience. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for example, I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts. Again, crime that happens in the US. It's such a different, uh, you know, mm, now it's becoming culture. different. When you, you see a police, you know, it's, I mean, my hands are up. You can't see me, but my hands are up. You know, you... There's almost a fear element there, um, and that's a totally different discussion. Uh, but <laughs> and people of authority have uh, the right to share their opinion and the right for it to be heard. That's how it feels. Um, yeah, much in the same way, you know. As authority a comes credibility. If I tell a patient something. Yeah, yeah, you're generally a yeah. The, the thing you know, the advice I'm going to give them, your solicitor, is coming from a place of. Um, you know, authority, like you said, but it should obviously come from a place of integrity. I think that's the thing. The assumption is whatever's being told is in my best interest. Yes. Right. But the, yeah, that can be painted in different ways. And only later do we find out, now we're talking a lot about politics here, that it's like, well, actually, what was the intention here? All this stuff about PPE scandals, these contracts being given out, you know, to uh, certain friends. Friends, apparently. The health secretary's mm. friends had the contracts. And yes, you know, some people say, well, the contracts had to go to somebody. But yeah. first of all, why did they get privileged to know about Pretender. the contracts? Mm. Uh, and second of all, how much were they paid? We saw the same thing. You go back in history, World War One. you see it with um, the boots, you see it with munitions, munitions yeah. everything. You, you know, these issues, they just come up every single time. Yeah, because wars or pandemics make, some people very rich, you know, look, yeah. we're sitting on Zoom right now, Zoom shares have gone up, 
Yes. Okay, uh, dominoes went up. So, uh, yeah, lots of things. So a lot of things. So people will make money, right? And okay, so some of these things like Zoom is not, Zoom hasn't created the pandemic so we can take um, uh, advantage of it. But necessary things, so like PPEs as an example, fine. If the contract had, was delivered by the friend and that was the best person to do it and the tender was open freely on merit, fair, fair game, right? Fair game. But if there's backdoor channeling here, Right, and then you're having problems with getting PPE and the quality, and yes, some people are being made very, very rich. That's not right. Yeah, yeah, it's not. There's a there's a really good show on Netflix called Revenge, which I recommend Revenge. or watch. <laughs> it's an excellent show. That essentially the premise of the show is that there's a, a girl who's trying to get revenge for the massacre of her family from a very powerful family, and the way she does that is she falls in love. Well love or not love with the son of this very powerful person to infiltrate mm. the family and get in okay. yeah and this family is so powerful they've shown that there's a select few families who actually control significant events in america so there was they showed like, <laughs> disaster and the reason why that disaster was caused was because of insurance they needed to kind of fiddle with and not insurance at a person-to-person basis this is large mass mm. scale making people filthy rich and it just showed you know sometimes we say oh there's a certain number of people or certain families who control the world it just puts it yeah it it puts it into reality for you that yes it could actually be that they show how it's done and it it's really creepy and i i've I've sort of uh reached the conclusion that if i think about this sort of stuff too much it's all you know you get you get stuck in this kind of cycle of what is real and what's not real yeah yeah. objective truth that's very dangerous it's very dangerous because there's I'm trying to remember this um, guy's name now. He was a conspiracy theorist. Um, I can't remember his name. Not David Icke, is it? <laughs> no, no. His surname is Rice. Damien Rice, I think it is. He was yeah. a, a conspiracy theorist who, unfortunately, um, he he died under very mysterious circumstances. Um, and when he was, where he was when he passed away, he was actually going to reveal some very powerful information and uh, you know mm. people have said that he was killed for what he was sharing and it's not the first time we see people who are you know whistleblowers for example or people who are sharing something they shouldn't be sharing how they can be smeared and absolutely you know obliterated because of what they're doing change, change the narrative again see? yeah, yeah. The, the it's it's very scary how much you easily can that can be done yes um but how people will come after you um, my, yeah, fav- yeah, yeah. my 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 favorite example on not such a sinister note would be looking at the scandal of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Now, when you think about that, you think you had a president who's in such a privileged position. You had an intern who obviously the power balance is just ridiculous here. Mm. And when we think about that scandal, do we ever think, oh, you know, Bill Clinton did some heinous things whilst in a power powerful position to a, a girl at the time who was very young and didn't really know what was going on. Would we yeah. think Monica Lewinsky, you absolute, you know, people have called her horrible things, whore, they've called her, you know, marriage breaker, they've said all sorts of things. And mm. that's because a lot of the time we take people who've come out with the truth and actually shared it and we villainize them because it takes us away from what we think is our perfect reality. Obviously there are other issues there too, but it just shows how much you can be villainized for telling the truth. And it's sad because obviously you should tell the truth, but sometimes you think. But at what cost? I, yeah. Yeah. 
one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Whistle, whistleblowing is a big thing. It's a big thing within the NHS, as you can imagine as well. Uh, and I think it comes down to, you know, say you were going to expose a truth and it may benefit a lot of people, but at the cost of they're going to threaten my family. Because, you know, getting yes. pressure points of people, so not necessarily self, like threatening you as a person is one thing. That's kind of, you can give it or take it. There are people who will be martyred, you know, in the cause of truth, right? But as soon as it becomes, you know, actually, no, forget you. I'm going to threaten your mom, yeah. your son, your daughter. It's a different question altogether. Then is it worth it, right? Worth and coming it. back to your earlier question about it's easy to get lost in, you know, the micro of all these things. It, I, I do like, uh, I think it's interesting to discuss these things and debate and deepen our understanding. But at some point I always ask the question, does what I'm speaking about affect my day-to-day living, Right. Now, again, we could we could project it out and probably it does, right? If we look at like an economic level, whatever. But actually, have I got the freedom to go and do the things I want to do? Can I spend time with family? Can I eat some good food? Like we've just been in Wales. And I think if I can do all these things that I kind of want to do, then I'm not too worried about this other level of things. Do you know the issue with that? <clears throat> is a very valid point. And I agree with you because I do it. But the other mm. part of my mind and my feeling would say that all that you've said is I can do this and I can do that. And that's great for me. And that's great for my family. But sometimes there are greater causes to Mm. speak about. And I think this is where people get caught up when you do get people who are passionate. If a hundred and whatever years ago, women didn't speak up for women's votes and they thought, okay, you know, the police are going to arrest us. It doesn't look good for our family. We're not going to do it. If they didn't make the point at that point, I wouldn't have the vote today or you could take yeah. any example, freedom fighters. You could say, well, you know, if they just thought, oh, I don't want to go to prison. If, you know, Nelson Mandela thought, I don't want to sit on an island for that many years because it's uncomfortable because they're going to treat me like crap. You know, South Africa and the world wouldn't be where we are today. So, yes, you're right. We have to sometimes balance what we want with people around us. But also I think there's a, there's a, a line between sometimes I and the collective we because there are certain things that are worth fighting for or not even just fighting for in the literal sense, but recognizing. I mean, today is 1st of June. Obviously, today is the period uh, 37 years ago, um, India started their attacks on the Golden Temple and Hermandir Sahib. And again, I think there's in the in the UK or just with me, I'll talk about myself. Growing up, I never very I never felt very qualified to speak about this topic. Um, mm. And I, we're not going to go into it in much detail today, but it's something that I maybe shied away from speaking about because I thought, oh, I don't know enough, so I can't give an opinion. And which is important, I'm not, rather which than adopting, important. adopting an opinion of, course, of, of course. masses. Yeah. But equally, there is also this element of sometimes you don't want to say the wrong thing because you think about things like if I'm going to, we go to India regularly, we go every year. If you mm. say something and it happens to offend somebody and it happens to get to, you know, there's almost this fear mentality as well. It's a similar point to what we're making that sometimes you just don't say anything because you don't want to have to deal. You don't with cause trouble things. or the consequences yeah. of it. And, that's, and that will depend then on the point you're making. Exactly. Now your point, your point, if, your, if your point doesn't match the narrative of what is accepted, then mm. straight away you are separated. Outcast. And yeah. You, yeah. You're yeah. an outcast and that's a problem. And, recently yeah, so the, yeah. sorry going back to the bigger point there's conformity isn't it everything the government in general this is a conspiracy uh line theory will be that they all want us to conform think the same way do the same things just be good little hamsters that run around now coming back to your original point i agree that the, the examples you've used there 
women's right, Nelson Mandela. Yes. My point was more the point you made earlier about a few families controlling the world, mm. right? So whether that be JP Morgan, Rothschild, all these things. Me speaking about that doesn't affect my day to day. So I actually need, it's not impacting the way I live, but you're right. If it's something which has a direct or indirect, something you're very passionate about on a, there's a really good Bible quote about this, whether uh, you'll probably remember it. It's something about, it's a bigger sin to stay silent when. Yes. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than, you know, so rather than doing this, it's bigger than a sin actually. Yeah, those, you know, those who are, I, I can't remember the yeah, wording. Those that, like there, that, but yeah. For example, those who stand on the side, you know, if you watch a bully, you're just as bad as a bully. That's essentially yeah. what we're saying. If you have the ability to intervene. Or you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, and you, yeah, yeah. you should. And intervening doesn't have to be big things. Like we've seen recently with the Black Lives Matter protest, with the Kassan protest, the farmers protest, sometimes small things just like sharing awareness or sharing something on Instagram. These are small things that can have such a big impact. When something trends, that means something today. That's it. Because then it's inspiring somebody else. And the, the point we're making here, and this is a very good point, is personal responsibility. Because I hear this all the time. It's like, okay, me recycling, how's that going to change the world? Okay, you recycling and a thousand million other people recycling collectively, big change. So personal responsibility is a very important thing. And we should be empowering uh, the people around us. Yes. And look, if you're passionate about something and you believe in something, then don't think just because you're doing it. Like, for example, reducing your consumption of plastics and you're using plastic straws, reusable stuff. Great, because if you're doing it and you inspire one other person to do it and word of mouth spreads, da 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 da, you have to think like that. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to think, how can I change the world? It's going to be the same thing. I'm too small, big fish. It's really, it's really important. And this is something that I really wanted to push with Yum and Tum. And part of our Yum and Tum philosophy is zero waste. So we aim, I say zero, it's very hard to have zero waste. So it's probably Hmm. more low waste, but the aim is zero waste. And um, again, with um, the you know, not using plastic or even the fact that the sweets are vegan. I always do say to the stores that stock us, it's not about making people vegan, but it's about giving people the option to Choice. have a small change. You know, okay, if, you know, do you need to eat a sweet that has, um, uh, you know, cow bones shredded up in them? No, you don't really need to. And you're not going to know the difference between my sweets. That's, and- that's the point. Taste. So, yeah. Exactly. So if there's no difference in the taste, that small step, if we all made that small step, it's doing something good. It's not a big thing. It's a very mm. small thing. But like you said, if a thousand people did it, it's going to have an impact. It will have an impact because slowly, slowly, when you put it all together, like you have a jigsaw, when you look at that first piece, it looks so difficult. It looks so hard mm. to actually see the big picture. But when you put all those pieces together, it's amazing what you can actually do working together. So yes, it's important to keep yourself safe, keep your family safe. Uh, but I think it's, it is important as well to have some personal responsibility with social issues that we are facing. And this could mm. be issues that are directly affecting you, you know, if you feel more, more passionate indirectly. or even yeah. indirectly. Now, we are not directly affected by the Palestinian and Israeli conflict in the sense that we are neither Palestinian or Israeli and we don't have mm. connections to those lands. But certainly as human beings, if we can recognize the suffering that is going on in those regions, if we can recognize that, there are, you know, people who, or children even, forget the children being terrorized. It's our responsibility to share some awareness about that. So it's really important, even if we do it in a small way, that we do 
talk about these things and not feel afraid um, to, to mm. share. Yeah. So. And on that point, I think what's been great, we talked about um, mm. uh, news correspondence before, right? Mm. Uh, and now everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. Yes. Right? Everyone's got Twitter. So the ability to actually put content out there, stuff that's on the street, is making it harder for these things to be hid which yeah. at least sheds light and like I said, creates awareness. And when it creates awareness, now generally there is pressure from the world mm -hmm. to sort this out collectively. Yeah. And that, 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 at least that's one good thing that's come out of sort of social media uh, presence. Because then you can make your own opinion. See, the, the beauty is you don't mm. want people to be fueled with a narrative, but what is good about social media is you can see what's happening. You form your own opinion. I mean, Kenny and I have been watching so many documentaries uh, about Who's this. Kenny? Kenny is my darling husband. Um, okay. And we've been watching uh, so many documentaries about uh, this conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, uh, because mm. you want to get to the root of it. You want to understand. Yeah, what is the thing they're actually fighting for? Is it the land? Is it the land? Is it, is the, it the one, one dominant religion? What is it? What they Money, want? Yeah. Is it oil? Is it, you know, all those yeah, things yeah. here. And you have what to actually is it? honing in. You know, you've got two sides of a story here, uh, you know, whichever way you look at it. And mm. watching so many documentaries and some of the really good documentaries, Vice did a really good one. It's on YouTube. I'd highly recommend you watch it. What they showed was, was exactly what was happening without giving an opinion. They spoke to both sides. They asked questions, but they didn't say, look at this monstrosity <laughs> happening on one side and yeah, they are yeah. doing it. They are fueling it. It was very balanced. Objective. Mm. It was objective. It gave you the facts and then you needed to think at the end, okay, how do I feel about it? And that's really good because then you reflect with your own opinion. How do you feel? How do you feel if that would, were to happen? Do you mm. feel for those people, these people? And it, it wasn't divisive in that sense, but it made you think about actually at the end of the day, people are struggling on both sides and mm. people who are feeling it the most are on the bottom level, the ground level. And really up above, we have people who are making decisions that, you know. Yeah, moving affect. these chess pieces. And yeah. I mean, the thing I couldn't get over was I heard that America vetoed um, a, uh, a piece. Uh, what's the word? When you have, yeah, like a, a resolution or to stop mm. the strikes that were happening. Promises. Yeah, that, yeah. They vetoed it. Every other nation didn't veto it, but they vetoed it. And it makes you think, why would. This uh, is President Biden we're talking about? Yes, President Biden, who I thought would be very different. Pro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pro peace, I thought. Um, yeah. not that Trump was, President Trump was, because to say that, actually, Kenny made a good point. He said, well, when President Trump was in power, we didn't see this. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> interesting point. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then it's like, is there a direct link? Are we just- Yeah, of course. Of course. Than but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, what, what YouTube uh, videos, we've got social media, you can learn about things without having to necessarily fall in one camp or another, which is good, which is what you need. You need education, education, We'll give you liberation. Mm. Liberation will give you, well, we'll give you lots of enlightenment. Enlightenment, <laughs> wisdom. Where are you going with that? Wisdom. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very important. Wisdom point, is right? what we need. Uh, wisdom, yeah, embodied knowledge. The definition of wisdom yeah. is embodied knowledge. The only way we embody it is by reflecting it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's you made a very important thing. And it's think. We need to think. Use the brain. Use your brain and think, rather than simply just you know adopting narratives and yeah. wearing other people's policies. And that you know that's where fundamentalists come from, extremism comes from that, um, fascism has come from that, mm. even on the other side, actually, Every socialism has come from that. So Thinking has produced school of thought, whether they're traditionally right. 
bad, but somebody has thought about it. And I think yeah. I think we 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 find, and I find this sometimes when I look at people's work as I'm lecturing, people aren't thinking anymore. People are monkey see, monkey yeah. do. They look parrots. Yeah. yeah, and then they copy, and then that's what they produce. That's and, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But actually, all you're doing is reproducing somebody else's thinking. And yes, of course, you should have influence. Of course, it's natural you take influence from people you admire, or people you don't admire, or things you've heard or seen or read. But that is not original thought. Original thought is what you need to have. What is your opinion mm. on? That? Not what he thinks. Not what my wife or husband thinks. My mom thinks, or my dad thinks. That's important too. But what do you think about it? And then, mm. you know, you from there. And if you can develop such thought patterns, not that I'm a psychologist, I think it can help with your own self awareness and your own confidence in your ability to be. I don't know. You're the no, 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 you're the mindset coach. You tell us. <laughs> No, no, that's absolutely not what I do is whatever we're talking about, you know, and I'll just quote something from Jordan Peterson here, uh, world famous psychologist, which is 95% of what you say isn't your opinion for mm. most people, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a combination of what you, like you said, you read, you see, and you hear others uh, do. But until you have a framework which allows you to then uh, reflect and understand, this is where it starts, the understanding, of, forget the understanding of everyone else. You, know, you can sit there and analyze other people, but until you've done that in mouth, to self-reflect and understand, well, why do I think the way I think? Why do I believe what I believe? And why do I do what I do? Understanding those three things, right? So your behavior. Only with that um, understanding will you then have sovereignty over who you are. Without sovereignty of who you are, you are nothing. You're just lost and confused. Because like you said, then you're walking around and you're not consistent with your rhetoric of, I believe this and believe this, because then you'll be confused, you'll be lost. But imagine the other side now, where you have understanding of, well, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is where I'm going. And this is what it's going to look like, you know, with my behavior. It just feels easy because then you're not trying to be an actor. You're not trying to be somebody else. You are, as Dr. Jazz says, you are your mm. authentic self. The truest, highest, truest, highest authentic self. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's beautiful because that's, that's all you have to be. Where's the pressure there? Mm. You know, when I frame it like that to people, it's like, look, all I'm asking or trying to help you do mm. is understand it's okay to be you and to really own it, right? There's no pressure there. You can't get that wrong. You cannot get that wrong. Of course, and that's such a journey, and I think it, it, it's really important people recognize that because I am on a journey. I'm sure you are on a journey. I don't know many people who are at the end of their journey, but to understand <laughs> and be confident in your views is hard, and I think talking about Very it, hard. I'm not trying to make it sound easy. Yes, you should fight for what you believe and you should do what you do because we all are still trying to do that. It's hard not to think of what is society going to think of me? What are my mom and dad going to think of me? But we've all had those moments where we've made decisions based on what other people um, have have advised us to do. I did chemistry and biology at A-level because I thought that was the correct thing to do. Really, I wanted to take geography and uh, maybe English or something. Uh, But Mm. it was just, it was what you think people want you to do. And that weighs in to how you think you should act. And to break away from that mental imprisonment mental emancipation as bob marley says emancipation, emancipation yes. yourself from slavery that's one of the lyrics of his songs a really good song yeah. um you know that is i think that's life's goal in addition to many other things yeah but if you started there and even if you spend a whole life just trying to do that uh it'd be fantastic i remember when i was speaking to one of my coaches and he said and he usually knows your school friends right because school friends traditionally are made much earlier in our lives and we are a different version of well, newest and current version right mm-hmm. and what he said is unknowingly 
when you are with those friends, they expect you to turn up in a certain way, i.e. to be the same jazz that you were before. Because if you don't turn up in that way, to them, again, unknowingly, you're presenting chaos, mm-hmm. right? So then you conform, you turn up as that version rather than your truest, most current, up-to-date version. And the thing we were uh, discussing and riffing on was, well, actually, there's two things. that When you're with somebody like that and you're speaking, from your point of view, you should be trying to present your most authentic self, right? And allowing them the opportunity to try and understand that and then form this new version of yourself. So therefore, you're not confirming to old version of self. And in the, the other side of that is when, if I'm the person in the receiving, right, and somebody else is trying to do that, and allow them the space that they feel comfortable right. to share that self, right, uh, and and not be the older version. Because it's okay to, you know, we, we're all going to uh, get older and hopefully we're going to get wiser by having more experiences and more reflections on the things and become different people, but that's okay. And I think fostering that environment that allows you to do that, and this will come down to who you spend time with, as, yeah, as we get yeah. as we get older, you know, I, I, your company is very important. Your company is is everything, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, there is this Japanese. It's not a proverb, but there's like the saying mm. that we have three faces. There's a face that the world sees. There's right. a face that you're nearest and dearest see, and then there's a face that you have that only you see. And I think, I think that's really quite true. I think a lot of the time <laughs> we're in we're in this situation where no matter how much you love someone or you're close to them, at the end of the day, we make compromises, you know? Mm. You make compromises. I might want to really, really say something or I might really feel something, but sometimes it's not appropriate, socially speaking, to say it because I think, well, you know, it's just going to cause unnecessary fight or they're not really going to understand where I'm coming from or, you know, it's not in, even though my intention is not to hurt their feelings, it might be perceived that way, so I won't say it. So there are things I think that only we understand as unique individuals. Um, and sometimes that's not for everyone. And I think that's okay as well. I think having a bit yeah, of- Yeah, my, my definition of authenticity okay. is not, and people will often challenge me on that point, that very point there, which is, but sometimes you suppress your opinion. But like you said, it's being authentic doesn't mean I go around shouting what I believe Mm-hmm. and speaking my truth all the time because again the intention is wrong absolutely so the intention is a very important thing here because the when you're aligned then your intention and behavior are aligned and it's, you, the other person can see mm-hmm. but when there's misalignment that's when you're perceived as xyz whereas your intention might be here but your perception of behavior is somewhere else so absolutely being authentic doesn't just mean i don't know just speaking your truth all the time it is about um thinking now that's a high level of you know uh sort of emotional iq like you mentioned earlier thinking about the other person's feelings what point in the, of their journey are you know are they up right now appropriate for me to share this are they ready for this truth let's say for example uh and that takes a high level of maturity otherwise you could just be like hey you know i could do this as my ticket hey you're not really living a good life you're living a crap life you're not really awake you're not aware you're not looking for self-realization it's very easy to become like that as well mm-hmm. um and actually kenny and i were talking about this in the card today we, we, we coined this spiritual ego that mm. although you may advance spiritually or from an awareness point of view it's quite easy then to become egotistical that oh i've got this level of knowledge and understanding you guys don't have it oh my god you're but actually it is massive but actually and this is where then I start to understand as I get older, this whole thing about what do wise men do? Wise men speak very little, right? This whole thing, uh, I can't remember this quote, but it's something like... The fool who speaks, not, yeah, not the wise man. It's, it's, yeah, a wise man speaks when there is 
something worthwhile to speak when Paul just keeps speaking speaking for the sake of speaking. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a completely different thing. Mm. Uh, And I think as we get older, we start to realize that. And the whole thing about, uh, I think it was Nelson Mandela's father uh, in the tribe, he used to always listen to everybody speaking before then, you know, giving his thing. uh, Which you see that that behavior in a lot of, social practices i mean it's it's Mm. like going to court you know you don't the judge doesn't just read the paper and say okay this is what's going on you hear Mm. opinions you you listen to both sides of a story or however many sides there are and then you make an informed opinion because it's very stupid to sometimes individually think that you know everything even though it's very tempting in there right Sometimes I think I know everything, but actually, you don't know everything. <laughs> I, I think until you reach a very, very uh, high state, you will not know everything. Um, so, yes, it's a very important. Well, and then, but the most people who do get to that high state, um, so, you know, like Plato, I think he had a famous quote which said something like, I only know what I don't know. Yes. And so you get to such a high level of humility where it's, um, you know, it's, it's like that. Mm, very interesting. I also think we should mention we need to send congratulations to our dearest Prime Minister Boris Johnson on his recent nuptials. We spoke about him and we didn't even congratulate him, just in the off chance that he listens. Uh, a very, very big congratulations, Boris. Mr. Johnson. I'd love to know how Boris got married. I, I really would love to know um, how... A COVID safe, you mean? No, no, I, I think he had a COVID safe wedding, 30 guests, so that was a pat right. on the back. But he actually got married. Uh, he had a Catholic marriage. He got married in uh, Westminster Cathedral, uh, Catholic marriage. Um, but the thing is... Catholics can't actually get married again. If there's no such thing as divorce. So obviously he mm. just legally got divorced. Um, I think it was last year to Marina Wheeler. She's a barrister. I know that, but he yep. got married again um, in a cathedral. And I saw on Twitter, there was this whole debate. And I thought it was really interesting. How did he do it? Because Catholic priests tell their parishioners, um, mm-hmm. all the attendees that actually, um, you know, you're not allowed uh, to get married again if you are divorced. But how mm. did he do it? Why was there that certain loophole for him? <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, it probably depends on how devout he is as a Christian or Catholic as well. That's that's probably important. But um, yeah, I don't know. Special rules for special people. Uh, well, we look, your old friend, uh, King, King Henry VIII, you know, he created a whole... Because, new church system that's, right? the that's the thing if if it, if it was that easy why did he have to create a whole new system but boris just walked in and he just had a catholic ceremony i just i think it's really fascinating but i also think it's quite dangerous as well it sets a dangerous precedent, precedent. that for some people there's this rule but for other people there's that rule but then i suppose that's life isn't it that is life so i think uh jazz will leave it there that was a nice way to end that that is life and uh Guys, if you listened in, um, I hope you learned something. You know, Jazz is a very learned person and we have very, a lot of very interesting debates, as you can imagine, in our household. Sometimes, very, very uh, occasionally, she, uh, sorry, very rarely she does win those debates, but uh, oh, it's okay. Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> I, humble, I humble myself, you know. I, you I, 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 I don't talk much. Huh? I think I'll create a sub-series to prove the point that that's not the case. Jazz, jazz versus Jazz. Jazz versus Jazz. Jazz squared. <laughs> Jazz squared. Jazz squared is the name of our original podcast, guys. That didn't yes. really uh, get off the ground just because we both got busy uh, with other things. But we will re- revisit that one day. Uh, as you can see, we have many, many things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, guys, thank you for your attention once again. 
Indy is probably going to be on the podcast in the coming weeks again. So I look forward to seeing him. It is very difficult. Well, I'm going to give him props here. Hosting is a skill. And if you listen back, Indy is very good at getting the conversation back, whereas I want to go off to the rabbit holes and tangents and just ask why and who and what. And he challenges you. And it's really fun yeah. to do that. I love that. And he puts you on the you, spot. Well, you love that because that's that's what you do in our house, isn't it? You yeah. just challenge me and put me on the spot. It's okay. Any uh, final words from you, Jess? Uh, no, this was really enjoyable. Please go and listen to True Crime Podcasts, uh, Real Crime Profile, Red Handed. And if you have Netflix, watch Revenge. And I think I'll stop with my reviews now. Thanks. <laughs> okay. And if anybody wants to get some of the vegan sweets, how can they get a hold of those? Oh, yes. Um, you can pop over to the website. It's www.yumintum. So that's Y-U-M-I-N-T-U-M dot co dot uk and uh yeah you can get some yummy sweets there vegan uh we have a fat free range uh no um artificial colors or flavors so very good for you as sweets can get <laughs> excellent guys and look i eat many of them and i'm very very happy so all i yeah. can say is guys <laughs> until you've tried it don't knock it and uh, do, do the blindfold test right like just said have one of her sweets have another sweet mm. which has animal products and just see if you can figure out which one's which that's it. Because like I always say, last point, you know, if you, if you want to enjoy a steak, you're going to have to have an animal product. That's fine. But right. enjoy a sweet. You don't have to. It's not necessity. So why do it? Let's so leave the bird alone. <laughs> there you go. Coming back to that point again, personal responsibility, guys. That is the takeaway message today. Do what you can with what you have. Start where you are. Don't think about how am I going to save the world, right? Just start with where you are and whatever you have. because That's enough. And it will build. So guys, as always, thanks for listening, getting to this point. Like, share, and subscribe. Come on, put this out to people. Leave us a comment. What have you enjoyed? What didn't you enjoy? We like those comments as well. Okay, take care, guys, and we'll see you next week.